0: This is one of those Sundays where I couldn't pick a really good slide. So go ahead and go to the next one. You may have to go over on the, the there you go. There we go. January, February, October. <laughs> one more and then we'll call it good. We'll leave with that one. I'll start by. Little visual aid that people on the internet will miss. Now, it's a bit of a tradition that the last message of the year is one of encouragement and peace as we face the uncertainty of a new year. And they've been titled things like incited to change, right? We've been motivated. We've been incited to change or a re-new year. Where we looked at the changing of the calendar as, as another opportunity to make positive changes in our life. And each year I share the comforting words of Jesus Christ and the covenant promises of God himself as we continue our time here on earth. But this has been a trying year, hasn't it? A global pandemic that has reached even our little community, infected people that we know and care about, social unrest, a a political environment that has devised even families. And even this church has lost people we care about or they've moved away for medical reasons and and we've even mourned the loss of lives of people we hold so dear. And, And I'm typically an optimist, but this has been trying even for me. So perhaps it's ironic that the, the words spoken at a funeral gave me hope. I'd like to share them with you. This was uh, from, from Sherry's uncle's funeral. His um, granddaughter get up and spoke. I believe that's who it was. It um, may have been a daughter, but I apologize. But she was just saying, this has been a tough year in so many ways. But in so many ways, it's been a good year. Marriage vows were exchanged. Babies were born personal goals were attained, jobs were offered and or kept, decisions to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior were made. It's been a good year too. And friends, it is in this spirit that I I share this morning's message with you, this final message of 2020, a year which has created some of its own lingo and terminology to capture some of the surrealness that has occurred. How about cancel culture? Now, that can mean a couple different things, but in, in a couple versions of this, the, the 2020 version is in regard to the, our propensity to just cancel events, close buildings, close businesses, even cancel family traditions in the name of safety. I'm not saying it's right or wrong in these, but that's what it's come to mean. we just a culture of canceling things. And in response, I want to tell you what Scripture says. The Scripture says, never quit. Galatians 6 9, Paul writes, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And then he wrote again in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, and let us consider how we may spur one on, on one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up being together, as some are in the habit of doing. You know, we've even the church churches had to step back and, and change our the ways we do things, the way we run the service even we had to have a a socially distant on the lawn uh, easter service this year but we made it work and for a couple Sundays we were completely online and our uh, podcast which honestly we have about 5,500 people listening to it that's pretty impressive and I'm not saying because it has anything to do with me but if you think about the number of people sitting around you which I will not say because we'll just make people wonder (laughs) it's impressive you know, it's important that we meet, it's important that we do these things, it's important we reach out. So cancel culture, that may have its place in the world, but not in our lives. How about work from home? Now, now this is something that I've experienced. That's when an employee is working from the residence or otherwise remotely. And this is something that I've been doing since March and it looks like I'm gonna be continuing at least until July. And, and for me, it's been good because I've been able to spend more time here, more time with my family. Uh, I get probably get more work done because I'm not driving 45 minutes each way, and I'm not cranky because of all the traffic. You know, I, I get to stay down here and spend time doing it. But as Christians, I propose that we don't just worship at church, we don't just serve God on committees, we don't just talk to God during the regularly scheduled meeting. You know, that occurs here Sundays at 10 AM. But you should continue this work from home as well. In First Thessalonians 5:16-18, Paul writes. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's not about an hour on Sunday. It's about a lifestyle. Work from home, yes. Worship from home, absolutely. And in the book of Acts, we find the historical record that this idea of worship from home was not a new one. The early Christians, early churches in the book of Acts twenty twenty, he says, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. He goes on in Acts 5, 42. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Friends, it happens at home too. Worship from home. But I want to warn you that you aren't just supposed to worship at home. It's good that you're here. But Jesus told his disciples, he said what? Go, go. And he modeled this in his own life. And Matthew, it talks about how he went through all the towns and villages, teaching in synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Jesus went. Some of these terms are gonna have a little bit of, you're gonna know exactly who said it, and I'm trying to get you to not judge that, but fake news, okay? Fake news is a term you've heard this year. False or misleading information presented as fact. And I just suggest that we beware of people that who use the Bible as a weapon against others instead of the tool it's designed to be to save instead of the defensive weapon it is against evil we should also be wary of incorrect teachings and statements and that includes for me you hold me accountable for i'm telling you the truth but matthew 6 5 through 6 gives this advice it says and when you pray do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corner to be seen by others truly i tell you they receive the reward in full but when you pray, go into your room, close your door, and pray for your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He's not just saying be secretive about it. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. He's saying don't do it for show. Be genuine. Real good news is worth sharing in a really good way. But beware of scripture, especially if it's if it's condemning and not convicting. Convicting's okay. Ooh, that hurts. I should be doing a better job. I shouldn't be holding a grudge. I shouldn't be coveting. I shouldn't be you know, stretching the truth a little bit. That's okay. That's, but when it says you're a bad person because that's condemnation. And if that's, a, if that's accompanied by a verse, I would just want you to remember something. Even Satan himself knows scripture. In Matthew four, we find the story where Jesus was being tempted by Satan. And, and Satan's quoting scripture. He says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against his own. Satan is quoting Psalms. He knows scripture. He's a fallen angel. He knows it better than you do. But you should know the difference when that scripture in your head is touching your heart in the right way or not. Some other things. All things are good. No, God can use all things for his good. Money is the root of all evil, or is the root of evil. No, the love of money is the root of evil. Try harder Christianity doesn't work, you know. You're not doing enough. You need to try harder. What's wrong with you? You'll never be good enough, okay? Fake news, fake news. Herd immunity, here's a new one. When most people in the population are immune to some disease, the whole group is is indirectly protected. And what I say is there's power and security in gathering together. When we get together like this, we're developing a herd immunity to evil, to temptations, to discouragement, because we're gathering here together. And we're putting up a barrier against those things. We're encouraging each other. In Acts 6, 7, it tells a story how this happened. It says, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Good news travels fast. It actually travels faster than bad news. Be a part of sharing it. And 1 Timothy reminds us that God wants all people to be saved. He wants us to be immune to evil, to temptations. He wants us to succeed. How about this one? This one's one of the first ones I heard, social distancing. You know, keeping everybody away, what, six feet's the magic number. But I'll tell you, God is horrible at social distancing. We quoted this morning, Matthew 18, 20, where two or more gathered in my name, I am there with them. God is right there with you. He is not going to stay in arm's length unless you put your arm up. He is right there with you. And he is always with you. Jesus said, I'm always with you to the very end of the age. And he says, I'm gonna send an advocate, the Holy Spirit, who will also be with you forever. These are promises in the Bible. And it's important to have relationships. We may be separated a little bit because we need to be physically healthy and that is smart, okay? That's responsible, okay? God gave us our health and we need to be good stewards of it. We need to do a good job of taking care of our bodies and and those things. But we're also wired to be together, and Paul always reminded his early followers, the early followers of Christ in Hebrews 10, says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance of faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us with the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. God has created the divine institute of marriage and blessed it because living in fellowship with one another and having a partner is a part of his design and desire for our lives. Disenfranchised, right? Deprived of a right or privilege. You know, people can become disenfranchised from church. You know, they can shut down churches, okay? And they, you know, because for health reasons, and you kind of get separated. You're being denied that opportunity, and we've worked around that the best we could. But some people on their own decide that that's not. Necessarily important. I want to remind you from Exodus 20, if you want to look 8 through 11, talks about the Sabbath, about keeping it holy. It's so holy that God made it a holy day. He worked and called for a a Sabbath day. He calls us to be in fellowship and congregation here on the Sabbath. Now, different churches, different denominations say the Sabbath starts on Saturday night, but they all say the Sabbath is important. Don't be disenfranchised from the opportunity and the joy of worship. You guys know FOMO, fear of missing out. Okay, and this is the thing, and this is what drives people to always sit on Facebook and stuff. We don't wanna miss what's going on. But there's also a JOMO, the joy of missing out. Anybody have a little joy of missing out some of the craziness that's been going on? (laughs) I don't have to drive where this year? All right. But God says it's okay to take a break. God wants you to rest. That pandemic has removed some of the barriers and distractions of our rightful focus, right? People are forced to spend time at home. I pray that they were able to work on the relationship, spend quality time with their family. People are forced to to not be able to go out to dinner. Maybe we've honed some, some conversation habits around the kitchen table that we didn't have before. But from Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30, Jesus' own words, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Is there anybody who is not weary or burdened with something? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't know, it's been a while, but I had a picture of a, a yoke up there once, and it's this big, heavy bar, and, and the ox, it's simply ox, are tied to it. And they have to move together. One turns, they they both turn, or they don't, or nothing happens. And it's heavy and it's burdensome. But Jesus is saying, You've got this yoke on your back, these worries, these troubles, these things that you feel like you need to control. He says, Let that go. Put mine on. Mine's light. But here's the best part you're yoked with Him. Where He goes, you go. Where you go, He goes. And even God needed a break. Genesis 2, He says, You know, He rested. And Jesus often commanded his disciples. Hey, people coming and going. And in Mark 6, 31, he told his disciples, he says, go, find a quiet place by yourself and get some rest. Forget the fear of missing out. Find the joy of missing out. The fear of missing out on something should not keep you from doing the things that you need to do though. And you should be able to take some joy in missing things because it may allow others to experience a joy that you may have otherwise been missing out on. You know, if you're really involved, very excited about things, you know, and maybe taking a break allows someone else to find that joy or, or something you can do together, and that's awesome. Just a couple more woke. Anybody know the term woke? To be socially aware. This is a new one. There's a lot of school districts are becoming woke. Businesses are becoming woke because they're realizing Maybe some of the social injustice or, or the perception of them, a the perceived awareness of important issues. I want you guys and myself to be woke about God's work in our lives. Peter in 2 Peter three eighteen says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. To him be all glory both now and forever. Have an increased, increased awareness of Jesus' work. We just celebrated his birth. Do you know what that means? Be aware. He gave his life for us. Do you know what that means? Be aware of that. God continually works in this world. He's given us the sun that's outside, the warm temperature. It's gonna be almost 60 degrees at the end of December. That's fantastic. I love it. To be woke, you have to listen to that old verse from Romans 12 that I love. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind this perception of what of the kingdom kingdom perspective of what's going on here. How about done? Anybody else do this one just like, I'm, I'm done? I'm done. And they're saying that this is a real thing because people are just fatigued from all the bad news and stuff. Like, I'm done, I'm emotionally checked out. I no longer care. I wanna remind you, you again, never give up. But there are some things that you should be done with. Listen to this from Romans 12, nine through 13. Love must be sincere, okay? Don't, don't give up on love. But he says, hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor. Don't be done. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. From surrendering is not giving up. It is claiming Christ's victory over the fears and the worries. Okay? That's not quitting. But there are things you can be done with. How about this? This is one of those terms we use just to kick things out the can down the road. It'll be the new normal. It's the new normal. This is how it's going to be from now on. Okay? That's, to me it almost seems like a false hope. You know, just over the next hill the new normal will be better whatever it is. You know, if I can just make it to Thursday, if I can make it to New Year's Day, 2021 is going to be magically better. I want to challenge you to get your faith so deep in your connection with God so strong that it becomes the new normal. That's what's normal. I wake up and I'm thankful. I go about my day and I pray. I go to bed and I'm thankful again. I look at everybody as a child of God. That should be your new normal for 2021. Heck, let's start it now. Take the attitude of Paul the Apostle, as he shares in Philippians 1.21. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That one puzzles me every time. Even this morning as I'm reading it again, To live as Christ is to die as gain. But here's what it means. As long as you're on this earth, do as Christ did. Love, share, teach. Love, right? To die as gain. It gets better still. But while you're here, do it right. And the Bible repeatedly talks about a new creation. If you're new in Christ, a new creation has come. Paul writes, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but he gave himself. I have a new life. And finally, in John 17, three, he says, now this is eternal life, okay? So this is, this is how we wanna live, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. If you know God and you know Christ, that is the new normal. That is the, the way that, that God wired us to be, and it'll feel fantastic, I promise you. I got to pull the political ones back out again. Never a Trumper. You can insert whatever you want, right? You are so adamantly against something that any alternative, any alternative at all is favorable, right? So I just want to warn you, because these are what I call, you know, remember dangerous or risky prayers? Please teach me patience. God will teach you patience. Be careful when you say, I will never. I would never. Paul, who became, or Saul, who became Paul, said, I will persecute Christians. I am, I am raised in Roman. I am I'm raised as, as a Jew. And I am persecuting, uh, I am persecuting the Christians. And, and he says, I will never accept them. And God said, I'll take care of that. He taught him a lesson. Read that story. Took his vision and then literally opened his eyes. Abraham, I'm too old to do this. Don't use me. Don't send me. I would never go do that. Thank God he did, literally. Peter, I will never disown you, Jesus. I would never say that. Three times he did, yet he became the rock of the church. Jonah, I don't want to go to Nineveh. <laughs> Remember the story, the big fish, right? Yeah. God got him there. So our prayer should not necessarily be, Lord, move, but sometimes it's, Lord, move me, right? Lord, if it's not my, not my will, but your will be done. Anybody ever said, I'm done with church? I don't mind saying it. I'm, 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 I'll never set foot in a church again. Those people are hypocrites. They're mean. They are. Yeah, yeah. Remember this? Here's church, here's the steeple, open church of the people. The best and worst thing about church is the people. And we're all struggling here. I'm glad you didn't think that. I'm glad you changed your mind if you did. I'm glad you're here and God's glad you're here. I hope God's glad that I'm here. Another Trump one, sorry. The shy Trumper. No one's gonna vote for him and then somehow half the country did. I'm not trying to share my political opinions. These are easy targets for this message, sorry. But someone is so afraid of another's response that they never share their opinions or beliefs, right? They keep it to themselves. And it's hard to believe that around here because there's so many Trump flags around, it's crazy. But, but I don't want you to be a shy Christian. I don't want people to say, oh, I didn't know they went to church. I didn't know they had faith. They never said anything. They never did anything. They made me think that. You don't have to go banging a gong and standing on the corner like, the, like we read about earlier, right? But I think with your life, the way you live your life, people will go, there's something there. There's something there. Now, Paul was really good about writing encouraging letters to the Christians that were, that were spread out, in Thessalonica, Ephesus, Galatia, all the places that, you know, became, the, you know, his epistles, the letters. And he wrote one. He says, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. He's saying, you guys are doing a good job spreading that word and pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing the will or are doing and will continue to do things he command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Deuteronomy, all the way back to the second book of the Bible. <laughs> okay, early book of the Bible, sorry, was it was. <laughs> be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. There is a confidence that goes with you when you know the Lord and you put him first. Almost done, I promise. Trolling. Anybody on social media know what a troll is? There's nasty little people that say nasty little things. You know, you could have gotten the best service at the restaurant, but the waitress wasn't smiling enough or they had a lisp or something weird, you know? They make inflammatory statements, usually just to get a reaction. They call those trolls. But God tells us to forgive, not to bear false witness, not to seek justice. Micah 6, 8 says that exactly. It says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require? To act justly, to be fair, and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. The ninth commandment itself says, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Ephesians 4.25, therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body. And Romans 12.18 gives us that hard challenge. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now That's a little bit of caveat there. If it is possible, but also as far as it depends on you. And Matthew 18 lays out how you're supposed to deal with these struggles. Did you know this? Matthew 18. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. How many people jump to the nuclear option, start typing away and go, that place, that person, da-da-da-da-da, right? Right? It says, go and pour nightfall just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. That doesn't mean you won your argument, but you've, you've defused that. But if they do not listen, take one or two others along. Now we're escalating a little bit, okay? So that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. It's good to have accountability, don't you act a little differently when you got someone else in the room, right? Other than the person you're mad at. And if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. You are not responsible beyond a certain point for getting along. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, well, there's how you handle conflict. And of course, you have to know John 13, 34, new commandment it says, love one another as I've loved you. Starts with forgiveness, and just a little note on that. We have two Bible studies going on at any given time: first and third Sundays in the back, and then every Wednesday online. And I'm not sure which one I'm going to do on this. One of them we're going to be doing the, the fruits of the spirit because these are all things that we, you know, look forward to, would like, you know, peace, love, joy, self-control. Right? That stupid last one. <laughs> do get to get to the self-control one, um, but forgiveness. If you really think about it, is there something you're having trouble forgiving? It doesn't mean that you hate it or you're the troll, but sometimes there's little things that just eat at you a little bit. I, it does for me. I mean, you can't be married more than once and not have a little bit of baggage, right? You can't have got, had more than one job and not have some baggage. So I, I'm reading two books. I couldn't decide which one to get, so I got them both, and they're very similar. One says, forgiving what you can't forget. That's more about letting go. In other words, forgiving what you won't forget. And that's about when someone intentionally wrongs you in a big way. These are the things that are really, really hard to forgive. And I'm going to kind of work on a study because I usually speak about things I need to hear. I always speak about things I need to hear. And I need to hear something on forgiveness because there are things in my heart that are keeping me from forgiving things and people. And, and I'm going to do that. And you're welcome to participate in the study. That's coming up. little side note. There's another one. An abundance of caution. And these are precautions we take against even the most remote contingency. It's very unlikely it'll happen, but we're still being prepared out of an abundance of caution. I remind you, don't let the devil get a foothold. Pray in Jesus's name. Invoke him to fight for you, right? Ephesians 4.26, in your anger, do not sin. That's when we sin the most, when we're angry. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. That's where he loves us. slip in there when you are angry, and he also says, reject every kind of evil. One last one, contact tracing. I don't know if you've had uh, had an opportunity or, or need, but if you've been around anybody who's been exposed or tested positive, health department calls you and says, hey, this day, this, that, and that, and that they're doing this contact tracing to kind of figure out who needs to be set aside And it's a process of identifying persons who may have come in contact with each other. But I wanna ask this, can God's work and Jesus' love be traced through you? Are you an active part of his ongoing story? Are you in contact with people so that they become virally infected with this good news? Who've you been around? You know, what, what difference are you making in their life? Romans, you know, again, Paul talks about each one of us as a, a body of, of the church, body of Christ. And we, we do not have the same function. We do not have the same gifts. We don't have the same talents, but we're all member of the same body. And, and that's what we do. We, we make contact. And my interaction with someone may be different than yours, but the end goal is the same, right? Romans Ten, thirteen, 13 to 14, it promises for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then it asks this question, how then can they call on one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And this is the convicting question. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Now that word preach may not sit right with you, but how about sharing with them? Everybody's got a story. But when I began this message, I poured some water in this glass and and it's what, halfway what? Full, that's a test, yes. Cliché, certainly, but also a reminder of the importance of perspective. And I wanna carry this a little further. Half of the space in this glass is occupied, right? It can't be replaced without first being removed. You have to dump it out, replace it before, you know. there's already something here. When you have joy in your heart, when you have faith in your future and you have Christ in your life, they occupy a space that prevents anything else from being in that spot. In fact, Christ will fight pretty hard to maintain his, his territory. Can you see the power and importance of making sure that you are filled? This is why Jesus himself advised us in Matthew 22, 37, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And this is a sentiment he echoed in Mark twelve, thirteen, which he added, and with all of your strength. It takes works. It takes work, a constant effort, and a kingdom perspective to say that belongs to God. It doesn't even belong to me. Friends, we were in this place a year ago with both anxiousness and excitement about 2020. We were praising God for the growth of the church at the time. We were we were excited about celebrating our fourth year as a 40th year as a congregation. Yeah, that May was gonna be awesome. In hindsight, we see what happened. But we also know that God remained in control and is still keeping his covenant promises with those who love him. So may God bless us all with peace and hope in 2021, regardless of what may happen. May our lives be filled with so much love and faith that there is no room for anything else. And I wanna make that our prayer. Will you join me? Father God, as we turn the page on this calendar, It's just a date, it's just an excuse, but it's also just an opportunity to do something different, something better. Lord, as we pursue the new normal, may it conclude you. Lord, as we say no to to events for the out of an abundance of caution, may we say yes to making sure that the important things still happen. We are still connected to you, we're still connected to family and friends. Lord, there have been so many changes in the last year and there may be more to come. You know, you know. And you knew all of this long ago when you still called us to all these things that you asked us to do. Lord, let us put you first in our lives in this coming year. Let us give you all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength so that you occupy that and nothing else does. Lord, with that in mind, with that, within us, we know that we can do all things. As you said, all things are possible. Father God, we just thank you again for this year, the many gifts, the many blessings. We mourn the loss that we've experienced. We, we f- think back with, with regret and, and discomfort on some of the things that have happened. Lord, let us turn that into hope, the hope that was delivered in a manger, the hope that was hanging on a cross, the hope that exists today. May all we do please you. Amen.